want to talk a little bit this morning about the backstory. I'll, I'll pass out notes in a moment, so if you could just hang tight, Pastor Sean. But I want to talk about the backstory because quite often when, we, when something happens to us, it's very important for us to remember or understand the backstory. And when we understand what happened in the background, it helps us as we go forward. So I want to give you just an example of a backstory. Does anybody know the backstory of the M&M candy? The M&M chocolate, one of my favorite. I've got lots of favorites when it comes to chocolate. But the M&M candy was made by the Americans, and it was copying the British Smarty. And the British Smarty, actually, if you, if you find out, if you go, we have Smarties up in Canada. They don't have Smarties in the States. And the Smarties came from a British um, invention, a British, uh, I think, God, they invented chocolate and Smarties and those things. But World War II, the American soldier, somebody developed, it was actually Mars, Mr. Mars's son, developed a chocolate for the soldiers in World War II that had a hard shell so that it wouldn't melt and that they could enjoy it throughout the day. So when you have an M&M, it actually was made for the military in World War II. And it was designed, have you ever heard, it will melt in your mouth and not in your hands? It was designed that way so that the military individuals could take it and it wouldn't melt on them. And in today's day and age, today, you know how many M&Ms they make in a day? 400 million M&Ms are made in a day. You say, well, what has that to do with church? Well, quite often when you understand the backstory, you appreciate the current. So now when you go buy a bag of M&Ms, you'll appreciate them greater because they're actually, the, the reason behind them is a pretty cool reason. This morning I want to take a few moments and I want us to look at the backstory of why or how we live and why we live. And when we go back to, the, to that story and we understand it, what it does is it affects how we go forward. And the book of Deuteronomy, we've been studying that, and we're going to look at Deuteronomy 5 today. Deuteronomy 5 is rehearsing the law. And there's ten commandments. I'm sure everybody here has heard the term, the ten commandments. And they were written on stone by God, and... If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four have to deal with our relationship with God. And the last six have to deal with our relationship with each other. And that's important to understand because in the New Testament, somebody came to trick Jesus and they said, what's the greatest command? And he says, you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you take a few moments to think about that, what you realize is that involves all the Ten Commandments. 
Honoring the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul deals with the first four. And loving him, loving your neighbor as yourself deals with the next six. And Moses is telling the people of Israel, he says, you're going to get into the promised land. And when you get into the promised land, do not forget the backstory. Don't forget what God has done back behind you because what he did behind you actually got you ready for where you are today. It's very important because if we're not careful, we forget to give God the credit. And I believe with all my heart that many times we don't walk in certain things because we don't realize the price that was paid and the backstory behind that. So this morning... I want to take a few moments and I want to talk about some of the things that Christ has done for us and as we walk into the newness of what he has for us that we will not forget the price that was paid. So Pastor Sean and your amazing gifted assistant usher, could you pass out the notes? I've got one page of notes for you. Have you ever reminded somebody... This is why this is so important to you. Every year we have Remembrance Day. And why is that important? It's so that we remember the price that was paid for our freedom. Actually, as I, as I said that, the thought that came to mind was the horrific activities in the States the last couple days, yesterday and this morning. Before we go any further, can we just pray for our nation, our nation, and also the states. There's some, some turbulent times that the nation is going through. Can we pray for them? Father, I just pray for my friends down south. Lord, for the turbulence that is happening in that nation. And at God, I just ask for healing that you would come over those cities, those communities that have been affected in Ohio and in Texas. Lord, and I ask God that you would stop any other plans or any other activity, that it would be thwarted. And Lord, that healing would happen in that nation and also for our nation as well. We are honored and privileged to live in such an amazing country. And Lord, we ask you to keep our land glorious and free. In your name, amen. All right, Deuteronomy 5. The law probably is one of the most challenging aspects to discuss. I've had conversations with people because they say, well, the law, Jesus did away with the law. Jesus did not do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. And there's a huge difference when somebody fulfills all the requirements of something compared to getting rid of. Because when you fulfill all the requirements of it, now what you do is you look at how does that look now. I fulfilled all the obligations, now what does it look like? The Jewish people have, if you read the Old Testament... Contained in the Old Testament, they say there is over 600 laws written. 613 is what a lot of the biblical scholars 
we'll say, and, and of that, there's 365 with negative implications and 248 with positive. In that, there's three different groups or grouping or designation for the laws. There's some ceremonial laws, such as there's a, there's a sacrifice law, the law of sacrifice, the peace offering, the law of the peace offering, and, and the law of the trespass offering. And, and so there are certain laws that deal with a ceremonial aspect, and that deals a lot with the worship and approaching God. Then there's also very many civil laws relating one person to another. For instance, one of the civil laws was when they built a house in Israel and they had a rooftop patio... One of the laws was they had to have a wall coming up to a certain height so somebody didn't walk over the edge and fall over. And that was a law. It was a parapet, which is a wall made roughly three, three and a half feet tall. Very much like a guardrail today. That was a law. So there were, there were civil laws that were written for the nation of Israel in interaction with each other. There was also civil law with respect to how they related to outside communities and interaction with outside communities. And then the third type of law is what they call the moral law, which dealt with the conduct, the personal conduct of individuals between them and God and between them and everyone else. And that's where the Ten Commandments would be found, would be within the moral law. So these laws, if you talk to people, quite often they'll say, well, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. And because of that, I get to do whatever I want. And a few months ago, we studied grace, and when we went through it, we found out grace carries a huge responsibility. Grace is the empowerment of God, it's the riches of God, but when I live under grace, I live under a responsibility to follow God and to honor Him, not because I have to, but because of what He's done for me. And it's huge. And what it does is it takes the personal laws and all the do's and the don'ts, and what it does is it puts it into a personal heart issue. In Ezekiel, there was a prophetic word that Ezekiel was speaking over the nation of Israel, and what he was saying in that prophetic word, and I've written down it in your notes, was that God was going to come and he was going to take the heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. And so what he was doing was he was taking the law and the, the writing of the law and he was making it from the heart of the stone or the written on the stone, the tablets of stone. He was saying, I want to take it from what's written there and make it written in your heart. So the law was fulfilled by Christ, but you and I, we still have laws that we live with. There's still aspects of relationship with each other and with God that we still deal with. And what I want to do this morning is I want to take a few moments and I want to see what Christ did, how he fulfilled the laws, because it says he came to fulfill them. And when you read John, and, and he's on the cross, when he says it's finished, the work of Christ is complete. The work of Christ is complete. 
We don't add to it. We don't subtract to it. We look at what he has done, and it is complete. It is sufficient for you and I. And no matter what situation you might find yourself in, the work of the cross, the salvation, the deliverance, the empowerment, the grace that was poured out is sufficient, and it's more than enough for you and I today. So we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to just see how Christ fulfilled the law and the requirements of the law. Your notes there, I've written down Deuteronomy 5. I've written right after that, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you want to see a great explanation of the law and how it applies in kingdom life, you read those three chapters and you find out Jesus was teaching his disciples and he was showing them how in the kingdom of God, how the law or how relationships worked in the kingdom of God. And he said, you've heard it said this. You shall not kill. He says, but I say, even if you think it, you're guilty. He didn't abolish it. What he does was, did was he actually raised the level. He actually said, you know what? It's not the physical act. It's the mind and what you're thinking that is going to get you in trouble because you will think it before you do it. He said, you've heard not to commit adultery. He says, I say, even if you look at someone else, a woman, and you lust after them, or a, a woman to a man, and you lust after them, you've committed that act. And what he did was he raised the level, and he said, this is in the kingdom of God. This is how that is applied. That is very much a personal responsibility. In other words, it's on me and it's on you on how we interact and react with the scripture and with life around us. And the reason why to me this is very important is I believe that each one of us here, God is moving us into some promises that he has for us. I believe it. I believe it with everything I've got inside of me that God is going to move us individually and corporately into some of the promises that he has for us. Some of them have been dreams that you've had. Some of them have been things you've been working on. Some of, those, some of them have been ideas that you've had. Some of them have been broken relationships. And God is coming and he's going to restore and he's bringing into those promises. And what happens is when you move into the promises, it is very easy to forget what got you there. Success can be more dangerous than failing. The children of Israel, when they went into the promised land, they marched around Jericho once a day. And on the seventh day, they did it seven times. And this a miraculous victory that God had. And then the next nation they came across was a nation called Ai, or this city called Ai. And Joshua sent spies out to check it out. 
They came back to him and said, don't worry about it at all. We don't even have to talk to God about it. Look at what he did at Jericho. We've got this one taken care of. And they went down to defeat Ai, and Ai turned around and defeated and chased Israel. And it should have been something real simple. And so I'm here as your pastor, as a spiritual voice in your life to tell you, you are going to experience in the next short while some victory, some blessing, some outpouring, some realization of those things that God has placed in your life. I believe you're going to experience them. And when you do, do not forget God. Don't stop your commitment to what God has for you because now all of a sudden you're into the money. You're into the relationships. You're into whatever it is that you've been looking at and looking for. Instead, remember what God did and how he brought you there. The book of Deuteronomy is called the book of remembrance. And I just, I I feel in my spirit that we need to remember, need to remember, need to remember what God has done. Don't forget what God has done, how he saw you through. When nobody else was around you, God was there. When you were hurt and lonely, God spoke to you. When you were looking for answers, somebody came and gave you an answer. When you needed some help, somebody came and helped you. When you needed direction, somebody was there to give you direction, whether it was a person or whether it was God. But don't forget the involvement of God in your life because when that success comes, that victory happens, that blessing comes on you, don't forget what brought you there. It wasn't you. It was God. When you read Deuteronomy, what's amazing is God says, it's not because of you that you're going into the promised land. It's because of me. The blessings that you and I have isn't because of me. It's because of God. I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes when something good happens that I start to look in the mirror and I I almost get a dislocated shoulder patting myself on the back. Look at what you did, David. Ain't you a good boy? Ain't you a good husband? Ain't you following the law good? Ain't you doing this right? And if I'm not careful, I start to believe my own press. So this sermon today, it may not get you jumping out of your seats shouting amen, but what I hope to do is plant some seeds inside of you because very soon, very soon, very soon, a door's going to open up, and what you've been plotting, planning, praying about for the last year, the last six months, the last six years, the last four years, the last 10 years, the last 20 years, what you've been praying for, all of a sudden, the suddenly is going to happen, a door's going to open, and you're going to walk into a blessing, and then you're going to have this thought come to your mind. I can now relax. I've got it made. My bills are taken care of. I don't need God anymore. And I want to remind you, it's at those moments you need God more. 
Because at those moments, you realize, I did, I did nothing to arrange this thing. Yes, I did what was required of me, but I couldn't, this door couldn't open. I've tried to open this door for months. I've been trying to restore this friendship for years. I've been trying to approach this person, and I've never been able to, and all of a sudden, this door opens. Don't forget God in everything that has happened. And that's what Moses is doing. These are his last words to the nation of Israel. Now, these aren't my last words to you. But these are Moses' last addresses to the children of Israel. They're on the cusp of what God has for them. The last thing I want you to do is get blessed and then stumble. What I want to see is I want to see you walk in a blessing, walk in a victory, and build on that because you know, you know everything I have, this, this is because of what God has done for me. This is because, he, he's done it. I, I, I know it wasn't me because when I look back, I'm not even qualified for this. I don't match the requirements. I don't, the, this was impossible. I didn't know this person, that person, and that person, but all of a sudden they all connected and then they came to me. So don't forget. Look at somebody and say, don't forget. Look at them again and say, remember. What are you to remember? To not forget. Good, thank you, because I forgot that one. Don't forget what God has done for you. This is, I don't have 17 points in here. I got one thing to say to you today. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget what God has done. Anybody here remember something that God has done for you? Anybody? Come on. I would suspect it's just about everybody. That's what you hang on to and you don't forget. You remember what he did for you because then when all of a sudden something amazing happens, you go, this, no, this is not me. This is God. Anybody here have a memory of something they tried to make happen and it didn't happen? Yeah, nobody's going to raise their hands on that one. I'll raise it for you. One of the things Moses is telling the children of Israel, if you read the first five chapters of Deuteronomy, he's telling them, listen, the nations around you are going to look at what happens to you and they're going to say, we want to, what, what they have is amazing because of the God that they serve. I've heard some people explain it. Something amazing is going to happen to you and everybody's going to look at it and say, it can't be him because he just don't know how to do it. It's got to be God. I, to me, that's awesome. 
I want the miraculous power of God working in my life and in my situations and in my circumstances because I don't want to take the credit for making something happen. I want to look at it with all of you and say this could not happen because David's been trying to do this for four years and nothing's happened. David's been trying to do this for 10 years and nothing's happened. And then all of a sudden, just like this, door opens up and something happens. It's not because of David. It's because of God. Are you catching what I'm saying? It's because of God. David's not smart enough. You're not smart enough. I don't care if you have a PhD. You're not smarter than God. I've had conversations with people who have said, you know what, this is what I've done, and everything I have is because of me. And I said, no, everything you have, yes, you've worked hard, but God has blessed what you've done. I believe in hard work. I believe in being the best employee in any business that you work in or being the best employer. I believe in showing up early, staying late. I believe in dusting the floor. I believe in doing more than's asked of you. I believe in those work ethic, a hard work ethic, righteous, being a person that's honorable, being a person that's faithful, being a person that's loyal. But I also believe that when you do those things, all of a sudden a multiplication happens and people say, you did it. you've got this because of this, and you say, no, all I was doing was this, and God promoted me. Nobody saw Joseph moving from the prison to the palace, except God. And if you would have looked at it, you would have said, just an hour ago he was in the prison, and now he's standing before Pharaoh. Good for you, Joseph. And he says, no, it's not me, it's God. So what are you to do? Don't forget. Don't forget what God has done. So I want to show you a few things in what Christ did in comparison to the old covenant to, for us to remember and to build on and to see as we move in the new covenant. And he didn't abolish these things. What he did was he fulfilled them, and it's now because of what Christ has done, this is how I live. So I wrote down a number of them this morning. In the Old Testament, when you look at the Ten Commandments, a lot of it was dealt on works. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. I still believe in there's things that I should not. I'll, I'll just tell you right now. I don't, there's things I shall not. Because God's words tells me. But God, in, in Matthew 5, God, uh, Jesus was sharing in the kingdom, it's not so much the activity or the, the work so much as it's what's in the mind or your thinking. And he, he changed it, and he took it, he took the works, and he said, now I want you to rest. The works of trying to meet all these requirements, if you looked at the 613 commandments and you looked at all the laws that they had and the work that they had to put into it and now God's, Jesus fulfills that all and now he says, I just want you to rest in what I've done. Read Hebrews. It talks about a rest. It talks about laboring to enter into the rest. 
Try to figure that one out. I'm working to get into my rest. In the Old Covenant, it's what I can do. The Ten Commandments, Ryan, were what you were supposed to do. It's all about you performing, you doing. And it was focused on you, the individual. Jesus came, and it's what he did. Now my life is based on what he did. So when I experience the promises of God, when I experience his victory, now what I do is I don't look at what I've done, I look at what he did. Do you see the shift or the change? He doesn't do away with this. What he does is he improves on it. In Hebrews, it talks about a better covenant, better promises, built on a better uh, person, high priest, the great high priest. Remember what Christ has done. In the Old Testament, in the, the Old Covenant, it talked about performance. In the New Covenant, it talks about faith. Abraham was a man who lived by faith, and it says it was counted to him for righteousness. David was someone that said, they said he had a heart after God, a man after God's own heart. And what's interesting is when you get around some theological people, they will sometimes say, and this is why there are some Bibles that have the New Testament, and then they include the Psalms. Why? Because they believed there was something special that happened in the revelation and in the, the songs and the writing of the Psalms that transcended a New Testament, I mean an Old Testament mindset. David had an understanding or a passion in him that went beyond the law and saw God in a different perspective. In the old, it was what they served. In the new, it's now about us serving. Don't forget, when God blesses you and he gives you something, what you do with it is extremely important. Don't take it and hoard it on yourself, but use it to serve others. God's not against you enjoying things, but what he wants to do is see how you steward what he's given you. He has, a, in, the, in the Gospels, he talks about how the, the, the rich man went away and he left talents with his three fellas. One he gave five talents, another two, and another one. The guy that had five talents went and he turned it into ten. The guy that had two turned it into four. And the guy that had one said, listen, I knew that you were a guy that gets things from where you haven't planted and you get all this increase. And I was afraid, so I just dug it in the sand and I just kept it. And so here it is, back. And the ruler says, why did you do that? You could have at least put it in the bank. Serve. Serve. In the Old Covenant, when you look at the commands and all the rules and the regulations, you'd find out that there was never enough that they could do to measure up. 
It said the priest would offer his sacrifice first, and then he would offer the sacrifices for all the others. It says in the New Testament, Jesus came once and for all. So what was not enough in the Old Covenant is now more than enough. So when you walk in the provision, what I want you to see is when you walk into that blessing, walk in the more than enough that God has done for you. He's given you more than enough peace. He's given you more than enough joy. He's given you more than enough health. He's given you more than enough of what you need. And it's what Jesus did. Are you starting to see what I'm trying to to reinforce some, I might be preaching to the choir today. But I want to ingrain this in our thinking. This is important. Because you're on the cusp of something that your heart has been looking at, your eyes have seen, and your dreams have been dreaming about, and you're on the cusp of that. And this door, I, I believe I'm speaking this prophetically, this door's going to open, and the first thing that happens is you forget what got you there. Have you... people start patting you on the back. People start saying, look at you. Look at all the success you've had. Look at all this. You've done, and, and, and people build you up, and it's not because they're evil. It's just they're happy for you. They want to congratulate you. And if you're not careful, you start to believe everything they say. And then what happens is, you know what? I've got this figured out, God. I'm okay. I don't need you to help me figure out this problem. Look at, look at, look at what I just figured out. Look at what just happened. I don't need you to figure out my next complex situation. I don't even need you to figure out the simple one. And God says, no, you need me more now than you needed me yesterday. You need me more now because now you're walking in that blessing. Now you're walking in the fruitfulness. Now you're walking in the realization of that dream. Now you're walking in that area that you were dreaming of, and now you need to be able to take that and keep it, multiply it, and see the stewardship of that. Can I be honest with you? I've seen people get raises in jobs, quit coming to church. I've seen it. I've been around long enough to see that. I've seen people get married, find the one they love, and then leave the church. Stop coming. I've seen people who have dreamed of a relationship to get restored or of a dream job. They get the dream job, and you know what I've seen? I've seen them now all of a sudden. They're so busy, church has now become an optional activity. 
And you say, well, now you're talking legalistic. No, I'm not talking legalistic. I'm talking about stewarding what God has given you. Because you are going to... Ex- I, I'm, I'm sound, am I sounding like a broken record this morning? Please don't say yes. My brother will tell me later. I can't stress this enough. God is going to, there is so much in front of you. What is ahead of you is greater than even what you think or imagine. And God is going to open this door and this blessing is going to come on you. And what's going to happen next is important, critical, and so much necessary for you to understand. It is in that moment that you turn around and you steward what God has given you by recognizing, I didn't do this. It was God who brought me here. And all these steps and all this maze that I didn't understand, all of a sudden these pieces fall into place. And they say, well, you did it. No, I didn't do it. I'm a recipient of what God has done. God is bringing you into this threshold. He's bringing you into the promised land. And I'm not talking about salvation, which is the greatest promise. I'm talking about daily living. I've seen people get saved and then somehow they go brain dead. I'm talking about saved and then living at a whole nother level. And I know people personally that God has opened the door from and what they did was they stayed there and they thanked God for it. They stewarded and what happened is it grew, it grew, and it grew. And it was nothing they did. All they did was handle the blessing God had and God multiplied it. I've seen it. I have seen it. I've seen people work hard. Work hard. They'd go to church Wednesday night, and then after church Wednesday night, they went back to the shop, and they worked that evening. And I've seen them do it time and time again. And then God opened the door and blesses them. And you know what I've seen and I've heard as I've talked with them? They've recognized what God did, and the blessing kept coming. And I've seen people who've done the same thing, and the blessing comes. And I don't see them again. And God, there, there's something, I can't get this out of my spirit. If you know me from preaching, and if you have ever heard preachers talk, quite often they either preach about something they've experienced or they preach about what's going to happen. And they don't necessarily know it's going to happen. And I've preached things and then months later it's like, oh, I'm going through this. And my wife has said, Did you listen to your sermon from a couple months ago? I've had that happen. She said that to me on more than one occasion. Well, you did preach it. And I'm going to tell you, I did not look at this passage of Scripture or this book and say, oh, I want to preach on this because I believe God's going to bless them. I was reading this passage, and all of a sudden God stirred inside of me, and he says, there's doors that are going to open. There's blessings that are going to happen. There's fruitfulness is going to be. There's these ex- these anticipation of things, and it's going to happen. And what's important is when it happens, what do you do with it? 
And it would be wrong of me to say God's going to bless you and not tell you how to take that blessing and see it multiply and grow and perpetuate. Because I believe when God put, wanted his children to move into the promised land, it was a perpetual blessing. I believe that. If you read it, you find out the first year they were there, they were just to eat from the fruit of the land. They didn't even have to plant. They just ate from what God had given them. I believe in sowing and reaping, but there's a, even another law that kicks into play when God gets involved that he lets you reap what other people have sown. And people's hard labor people's efforts, people's seeds that they've sown, all of a sudden a door's going to open, you're going to walk into and you're going to have this blessing. Don't sit there and get a big head, but fall on your knees, thank God, recognize that he's the one that was working behind the scenes that brought you more than enough when you didn't have enough. Now there's more than enough, and I'm going to take that and I'm going to steward that and I'm going to honor God with everything I do. Don't Forget God. I know this is real inspirational. I can't stress it to you enough. Some of you this week, some of you this week, a promotion's going to happen, an opportunity's going to come. A phone call is going to be made. You're going to be the recipient of a phone call. You're not even going to make it. You're going to get a phone call. And what you do with that phone call, don't forget God. And he even has in this whole picture of walking in the promised land, he even has the law in there saying, don't forget the laws, don't forget the conduct one to another and with God. Don't forget that relationship. And then Jesus comes and he says, hey, in the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, don't forget these things. But I'm telling you now, what it's not the act, it's even the thinking. And he's taken it and he's shown how important it is when we walk in the promises of God, we don't forget God. Does anybody here want to hazard a guess and say, what is my first point today? Don't Forget God. My second point. Don't forget God. My third point. Don't forget God. And if you're hearing me closely, I'm saying that because God is going to do something so miraculous and so amazing that you could not orchestrate, you're not smart enough to figure out, you're not connected enough to connect, you're not skilled enough to skill it, you're not anything of that, and all of a sudden this happens, and God says, it's because of me. I brought you into this because of who I am. Don't forget him in that moment. Learn in those moments to say, thank you, God. Learn in those moments to say, I never had enough. Now there's more than enough because of what Jesus did for me. I'm a spoiled child of God, not because of me, but because of him. Are you receiving this this morning? 
The old dealt with the outward. The new deals with the inward. He changed, he changed the game. And he no longer said it's what you're doing. It's, it's what's in here. Now, us parents know what that's all about. Our child does something. We see that. We say something. And they say, well, this is what I did. And you'll say, yeah, but I know what you were thinking. You did that because. Why? Because we know how we think. And quite often, we're just as guilty. I laugh sometimes that I expected more out of my children at times than I had expected out of myself. I know none of us parents ever get that, but I'm being a little vulnerable. I expected certain behavior that I tolerated myself. That's wrong. It goes from the do's and the don'ts to the principles. When you read the law in the Old Testament, see the principle behind it. See the life, the breath, the freshness, and the spirit that it was written in because that's how you take that and you see what Jesus did and then you see how it goes from there. Do not kill is still a good commandment. But what he says is not only that, but don't even start thinking of it. So when I talk about remembering, I'll close with this. Remember the M&M. Remember the backstory of the M&M. Why is the M&M so special? Because of the backstory. Why is what you're experiencing now so special? It's so special because of the backstory. Hurt, betrayal, death, sadness, loneliness, addiction, unrest, poorness, poverty, all these backstories. And now all of a sudden I walk in the riches of what Christ has done for me and provided for me. Don't forget the backstory. Remember God in everything that you have. Did you receive that this morning? Amen. Let's stand. And if we can, let's, let's grab a hand and even go across the aisle. And, and take about 30 seconds and just pray for the person on your right. And just ask God to ingrain in them a remembrance of what he's done. So just ask God to to build a memory system in them of what God has done for them. The person on your right. Another 10 seconds. And now, pray for the person on your left. 
And if there's no person on your left, play for the person all the way over at the other end of the row. And now the person on your left, just ask God to build a memory system in them that when they walk in the promise, that they won't forget what God has done and how he's brought them there. Take about another 20 seconds. And just pray for them. Pray with expectation. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters here. Lord, we've been looking at the preamble to walking into the promised land. The memory, the remembering of what you've done. Lord, may we never forget the backstory of what brought us to where we are. Not that we live there, but that we remember what you did in those situations and how you moved the chess pieces and how you manipulated and moved and adjusted and corrected and set in place, Lord, all those things. And may we have a picture of your hand involved in so many things that we never realized before. So, Lord, that we take what you've given us, the blessing that you've given us, and that we would steward it and see it grow and multiply greater because of what you've done. May we never forget, but may we see your hand and what Christ has done for us. In your precious name, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.